It's good to see all of you guys. I hope you're having a, a great week. I, I hope it's been good for you this week, um, that you've had a, a good time. I know that um, I wanted to say congratulations to uh, Pastor Claudio now, we can say. He got ordained yesterday. Which is a big deal in our church um, because for somebody to be ordained is more than just, uh, probably some of you are ordained through whatever internet thing ordained you. Um, we, we don't take it quite that lightly. It takes uh, years of work to get there. Classes have to be taken and um, meetings have to be had and uh, he gets, everybody who gets ordained gets evaluated by a board of their peers and after all of that time, uh, you get to stand in front of the assembly, which is a gathering. There was about 300 people there and um, get prayed for, prayed over. I had the privilege of praying for him yesterday. I was grateful for that honor. And then our general superintendent and district superintendent, it's a big deal. So glad that he was able to do that. If you see him, tell him congratulations, um, maybe after the service. So anyway, it's good to, to see all of you guys. I, I told you about the school, super excited about what's going on there and um, about next year, we're getting, I mean, we're registering, enrolling kids for next year, but um, I don't think we're going to have room to enroll many more because it's just, it's happening so quick. But um, if you, if you want that, I see uh, Sarah back there looking at me, then make sure you talk to her. She can point you to Deanna, our secretary, <laughs> the right way. She's like, wait a minute, I don't do enrolling. I know, but she can give you information. Uh, you know, we've been, last week I, I made a little bit of fun of covid um, is it too soon? I hope it's not too soon. We're still, it's not over, by the way. Um, it's, it's still around. But, you know, uh, thought, why not uh, continue on that? You know what, what impressed me about our country during this whole thing? Honestly, this seriously, something that, that really did impress me is that everybody tried. I don't know if you noticed. Everybody, they really, we tried. Um, we, we wore masks. Um, we social distanced. Like, we, we did our best. I don't know about the rest of the world or even... The rest of the country, I guess, it appeared that people, we were trying. I only had opportunity to fly one time during, uh, so far, I guess, since this all started. I have flown once and I had to wear a mask and all that. But, you know, that's, that's the thing. We're trying. We're, we're, we're doing our best. Um, I went to a restaurant and they took my temperature. Anybody else experience that? You go to a restaurant and uh, there was a teenager there. He took my temperature. Again, we're trying. Wait, are you saying that teenager didn't know what they were doing? Is that, did I hear somebody say that? Because uh, maybe this is how they start doctor school. You know, they start by taking temperatures. And uh, one day they're going to be a doctor because uh, they started taking temperatures. I walked into uh, the restaurant. They weren't going to let me in unless they took my temperature. Puts the thing up to my forehead. It's 45 degrees. Oh, you're cool. You got like 60 degrees from a problem. Uh, wait a minute. Is that... Uh, is that right? See, okay, um, 57 degrees? Like, I'm dead, man. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's too much there. I asked him uh, if that thing's working. He said, I don't know. I mean, when it beeps, I just let people go in. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I think I even heard one kid that uh, I walked up, and I think he said, beep. And he was like, all right, you're good. And I said, wait a minute, did you just? He said, it's fine, you're good. Go ahead, go in. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I have three kids, if you didn't know, three kids, 14, 11, and 9. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years, so I thought I was a, an expert with teenagers. Not true. Uh, my own kids don't respond the way any of the 
teenagers, I don't know how many hundreds that came through my ministry. They're, they're all different. But uh, anyway, and all of a sudden when you're 14, you're too cool. You know, you're just too cool for anything. But there was a time. There was a time when they weren't too cool. Um, the, the thing about raising kids today is electronic devices. I don't know if any of you guys, do you find that to be true? Electronic devices, phones and iPads, they're the worst. Like maybe, and, and you know, I'm in, maybe we'll talk about this someday. I'm in a crossover, gener I'm like the tail end of Gen X, Generation X. And um, all the Generation Xers, we, we bought our own first cell phone. Um, and we didn't get it until we were like in college. So it, it wasn't a thing. And now, you know, there's kindergartners running around with a cell phone. I'm like, what about, who are you going to call? You know, Ghostbusters, I guess. So, <laughs> good one. All right, so one of the struggles raising kids is the, the, the cell phones and the iPads. They're the worst. And then some, somewhere, somebody, tell me, was YouTube a joke? Do you guys think it was a joke? Like it, a practical joke at the very beginning? Who said, our country's not narcissistic enough? Why don't we come up with a way you can record yourself and then let everybody watch it? Because everybody wants to watch you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have this YouTube thing. So my kids, they just, uh, they, they just want to watch YouTube videos. Um, any, anybody else, your kid, they just want to watch. So we banned YouTube. They're <laughs> trying desperately to ban YouTube. Then we discovered YouTube kids and they're like, dad, it's for kids. Should be fine. We should be able to watch YouTube kids. No problem. So uh, we, we do track that thing. Um, we did ban YouTube, by the way. That's not a joke. Uh, YouTube kids, we do allow sometimes. But uh, now randomly, because my kids don't have their own channel, just so you know, I'm not a bad parent. I didn't give them their own channel and say, go crazy. Um, maybe some of you did. It's okay. Like everybody does their own with kids. So uh, I didn't give my kids a YouTube channel. So randomly now I'll uh, be watching uh, or looking at videos or whatever on my phone and I'll catch a random one uh, with one of my kids pretending, especially my uh, younger daughter. Is she in here? I'm not telling on her. So my younger daughter, um, she'll pretend to be a YouTuber and uh, she'll be like, hey guys, what's going on? So uh, subscribe and like, comment below. And I'm like, um, this isn't going on your YouTube channel. I mean, she has two subscribers, me and her mom. You know, we get to, to watch that. So anyway, my kids discovered YouTube and it was all downhill from there. Um, the, there's this, YouTuber called, or a channel or whatever called Ryan's World. Anybody know? Some of you with kids are going to know Ryan's World, right? Ryan's World. Ryan's World, uh, this isn't a show. Like when I was a kid, I'd be like, hey, I want to watch this TV show. And uh, my parents would be either yes or no. So it's not, if it's a TV show, that'd be easier for me to get on board with. It's just a, a random channel. And so Ryan's World, what it is, is it's not a show. It's a kid who plays with toys. It's a kid who plays with toys. And he says, hey, you don't have this toy, I do. You wanna see me open it? Genius. Six billion followers, or I don't know how many he's got, but like I don't even know what's going on with the world anymore. Uh, YouTube. So um, I'm gonna tell you a story about my life this morning. Uh, just get right into it. So right out of college, my dad in Stanton, Texas, about 300 miles west of here, he bought... 10 acres of, 12 acres, 12 acres of land. So, you know, for us, we didn't have a lot of money. Of course, he waited till after I was out of uh, high school and college and all that to buy this land. But um, anyway, we call it the ranch, <laughs> it's a 12 acre ranch out there. And uh, 
when he bought this property, he was like, okay, Cal, I'm going to stay in my place for a while. Why don't you go ahead and like get this property ready? You don't understand. It was, it was what they call raw land, not a thing on it. Seriously, it was old farmland and um, sandy soil and, you know, no mesquite. No, there's nothing, literally nothing on 12 acres, just flat 12 acres. And so getting it ready means um, I've learned, I learned the hard way. Uh, we've got to get water. We've got to get uh, electricity. Like we've got to get all the stuff. And so I was like, cool. Well, the one thing that we had on this place was a water well. Now, since this is old farmland, they had a water well. And I don't know anybody here who knows anything about water wells. It's a, it's a, um, it was a centrifugal pump, uh, which they, they'll use to water. You know, sometimes you see the, the big things that go around. It's a centrifugal pump. It, it's its purpose is volume, just as much volume as you can. So big old water well, huge water well. And it was four inch um, iron pipe that went down all the way into the water well. So getting this ready meant I had to pull this out. Of course, it's cheaper than getting our own water well, digging it, you know, it's already dug. So um, we had, man, I'm gonna, you guys are gonna find out just how redneck me and my family are. So we, we got a high lift jack. Anybody know what a high lift jack is? Um, it's the kind you see on Jeeps and stuff and they, you know, you crank it and it comes up and you, so we had a high lift jack and some chain. So here's what we did with this hundred feet of cast iron, how many thousands of pounds, I don't know. Uh, we would, uh, and grew up in the oil field. So I know a little bit about like um, slips and different things they use. So what we did was we tied the chain to the high lift jack, tied the, chain also to the, the, this pipe. And we would put it all the way down and then we would begin to, me and my buddy, just the two of us, man, OSHA, I'm glad they didn't come. So we would begin to crank it and it was so heavy. We'd both of us on this jack be like trying to push it down, 100 feet of pump and so I'm, maybe I'm building this up too much. It's seriously so heavy, you, you don't understand. So we're, we're pumping this, or jacking this up, comes up in a section, we get a hacksaw, that's all we had because we um, you know, couldn't afford torches and that kind of thing. So we got a hacksaw and we're hacksawing this iron. Okay, good. That was like a 10 section, a 10 foot section. Now we've got nine more to go. All day long we were out there. We were, because not only was it the, the pipe, but the pump was still down in there. So you got a four inch pipe and then inside the pipe was a two inch uh, rod. And that two inch rod is solid iron or steel or something. So it was, anyways, an all day project. Um, and we, none of the right equipment, whatever. So I went to Lowe's, got a, a little pump and I was, oh, so good. Cause it's just a small little water pump. You know, you drop it down in there, get everything plumbed up. Um, I was super excited, bought my first house for $7,000, no joke, single wide trailer. I told you, you'll see how redneck I am. Single wide trailer, pulled it out there, hooked the water up. And I was like, man, this is awesome. We got my own place. We got some electricity. We got some water. Now, where does the water go? Comes in the house, it's gotta go out somewhere. Oh, septic. So hired a guy, I didn't wanna handle this one by myself. Uh, he came out, backhoe, dug the septic system. We got all that put in. And so I thought, I told him, hey guy, I can take this from here, no problem. Just some PVC pipe, right? Hook it from the house to the septic tank, uh, tank did all that, got it hooked up. And it wasn't long before I discovered that um, there's something that they call in the plumbing industry, a, a, a fall or a drop. Uh, so the pipe has to be higher on the house side than it is on the septic side. I learned the hard way. 
um, because it quit draining after a while. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And we couldn't get a snake down it or whatever. So um, when I really, really discovered that I had just created a massive problem for myself was when uh, the toilets wouldn't flush, the sinks wouldn't drain, nothing would happen. So I had to crawl under, in a, in a trailer house, you can crawl under. I had to crawl under the house, cut the PVC from under there and everything that was in there came out. I'll leave it at that. Um, disgusting. It was then that I found out that I really don't want to be a plumber. Um, to everybody who is a plumber, God bless you. I'm so happy that we have plumbers uh, to handle that kind of a thing. So the, the reason I'm telling you all this is because I found out through this process that it's okay to ask for help. It's, it's just, it really is. It's okay. When you don't know something, when you don't know how to do something, when, when you need somebody to help you, asking for help is just fine. Um, and that is a very important lesson that I learned early on. And ever since then, I do ask a plumber for help anytime that I need a plumber. I'm not joking. I really vowed at that point, if you saw what I saw, <laughs> you wouldn't want to be a plumber either. So sorry, just uh, sharing some things on my mind here. Um, all right. So there's this uh, place that it's okay for us to ask for help. And um, I, I believe that. We're getting to a point, okay? It's not just stories today. American individualism, that was a mouthful. American individualism has gone awry. I don't know if you've, if you've noticed that. Like we have this, especially, I think it's especially in Texas and maybe some other uh, places where we just feel like we can do everything. And, and if we have a problem, we don't necessarily ask for help. And I don't know how many times you have heard this. I heard it a lot. Uh, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get on with life. You know, you just got to do it. You just got to tough it out. You just got to, uh, we don't really ask for help too much. You are able to do whatever you want to do. I mean, even for a time, um, because now we watch YouTube, I don't get to see all the commercials anymore, but um, it used to be that there was a Burger King commercial, Have It Your Way, you remember that? That seems like a good commercial. The Army, do you remember years ago, they had the thing, be, uh, you are, you are an army of one. Made no sense to me, but they were appealing to American individualism. Like you can do it. You are strong. You can. You, you, you. Now, I don't think those are bad things necessarily. I, there is a certain way I like my hamburger. So it, it's good, you know. I do believe that somebody in the army can do amazing things and accomplish uh, amazing uh, stuff. So uh, that sets us up. I'm going to read a scripture today. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and if you'd like to follow along today's notes the message notes are always in the app uh, just find the church app and get to the notes there uh, chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 uh, it says this it was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers uh, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Paul says a lot of things in here and I wanna unpack some of that today. One thing we've realized and probably everybody here today knows is it takes a village. You know, like it, it really, it, it takes a village. What I mean is the body, the body, operates in service together. Um, I've said before that it is when you sweat together, you really get to know somebody. Like when you work together, you really get to know 
how people are and who they are. Uh, in fact, one of our covenants of membership at this church is that we are actively involved in service to a ministry. Like we believe that it's important that we together combine as a body to do things together, to be active, to fulfill the ministry. Uh, this is one of the ways that we as a church are able to love like Jesus so lives are changed. Imagine if we were a church of just individuals doing their own thing with no uh, togetherness without a similar purpose, without a similar direction. We have to use each other. We, we need each other. It's the people of the ecclesia, 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 however you want to say it, which is the, the body in a uh, whole interesting story on that word. That word is, uh, actually doesn't find its, its uh, root in, uh, our English translation says church. Church finds its root in German. Ecclesia, Ecclesia is actually a gathering of people with similar interests or similar ideas. So when God says, or Jesus says, I will build my church, the church, the word he uses is that, a gathering of people. And just because of history, it's turned into church, which comes from the German word Kirche, which is a building. So we don't want to confuse what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the church because we're a gathering of people with a similar purpose. Our church's purpose to love like Jesus so lives are changed. We want, people, we want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. We want people to know who he is. So what I want to do today is I want to take just a few minutes. I know I've used about half my time already, but I want to take just a few minutes to explain what happens when we're involved in service, when we're involved in ministry. All right. When you serve, first is this, when you serve, you fulfill God's purpose for your life. You see, God has a purpose for everybody. God has created a, a, a purpose for you. He has made you with a specific thing in mind that he wants you to be involved in. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. You've heard that before. Um, and this is interesting, just a side note, because you guys know that sometimes I like to get into the words. Uh, the, the word handiwork, which you've also heard translated as workmanship in other translations. The, the word uh, handiwork is the Greek word poema, P-O-I-E-M-A, poema. Guess what other word in the English comes from that? The word poem, poema. All right, so the... For we are God's poema, his handiwork. But the word handiwork in the English doesn't really capture what Paul's trying to gather for us. In essence, you are God's poetical work. We are his work of art. I mean, come on, guys. Like, that's exciting because you are God's work of art. You are his, his poem. He is, that's, what, that's what he calls, that's what Paul says that we are for God. We are his poem. We are his handiwork. We are his artistic brilliance. We are the result of that. That's amazing that that is who we are for God. And so, so, what that tells us is, it ties perfectly into Psalm 139, God has a design for you. So much so that God had a design for you before you were even born. 
Did you know that? You, before you were born, it says in Psalm 139, that he made the delicate inner parts of your body. He knit you together to be his poem, to be his handiwork. So listen, young people. Love it when a preacher says that. Teens, young adults, people my age, can we, can we still be young people? God, I want you to hear this, all the young people. God has delicately and complexly put you together. You are important to him. He loves you and he has a plan for you. Scripture even tells us a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. He has the best intent for you so much so that when you were just an embryo of a baby, he began then to put you together making his poem, making his handiwork. You are amazing. Fearfully, the scripture says, and wonderfully made. That's a side note. I just want you to know because in working with teenagers for as long as I did, I know that there's so much anxiety and fear and trouble that comes through teenage years. Understand that God has delicately and complexly made you his poem. You are his sweetness. So do you have a sense of God's purpose in your life? He started when you were that and he made you into who you are today all the whole time with a design for you. I guess the question is, what are you doing to discover his purpose in your life? I think this is something we need to pay attention to because if you just go about life hoping that someday you're gonna be walking around and his purpose is just gonna fall into your arms, it's not. We must be at work discovering his purpose for us. And that is what you'll hear people say he has called us to do. God's calling is his purpose developed for you, designed for you when you were just the weest of things being formed into his purpose poetical handiwork it's amazing so when we're involved in works of service we are fulfilling God's purpose in our life if you're not involved in works of service then probably you're not fulfilling his purpose because we just read in in uh, Ephesians that he has made us all with different gifts for different things for different areas of service but all for service all right, that's the first one. Fulfill his purpose and that makes you uh, fulfilling his purpose. I said that twice. <laughs> As you are in works of service, you're fulfilling his purpose in your life. All right, second one. All these notes are in the, if I confuse you, just look at the notes. When you serve, second, when you serve, you reflect God's glory. Now, I don't want to get it stuck here, but I love God's glory. I love God's glory. What is God's glory? Recap real quick. Last year, in the middle of COVID, God said to me, I want you to start talking about my glory and don't stop until I tell you. I think 16 weeks, we talked about the glory of God. So I'm not gonna do all of that in like 60 seconds, but I will tell you that uh, everything is about his glory. That's what we discovered. In all of my research on glory, everything that I studied, and I came across a definition in the, the Baker Encyclopedia that, that really I loved, and it says this, that glory is the singular splendor of God and its consequences for mankind. 
the singular splendor of God and its consequences for mankind. So there's two words in the Bible for glory. Hebrew is kabod and Greek is doxa. Uh, so kabod means weighty or heavy or important. It carries weight like a king. You can imagine uh, the president has a weight about them, right? Just there being around them carries this, if that makes sense. That's God obviously on a much grander scale, but that helps you understand, right? That's, that's what uh, kabod is. Now, doxa means splendor or brightness or honor. Similar things, but kabod in the Hebrew carries a, a weighty meaning, and then doxa in the Greek carries a, like a more bright and splendor filled. So we learn from all of that that you combine those things, and it, that's who God is. His glory is greater than everything because it's weighty and it's magnificent and it's bright. And it's, in fact, we have a hard time putting a good definition on it. It's, it's better for us to describe who God is. Um, if we use, if we try to define it, it just becomes lost and muddled. So it's easier for us, and we do this often in the church, talk about his attributes, okay? Uh, his characteristics, like his holiness or his love or his grace, Things that are amazing, like God loves you no matter what. When I truly came to believe that, it changed my life. No matter what I did, God was still going to love me. That brought me to God, in fact, because I was far from God when I had this thought. No matter what I do, he still loves me. Like he's chasing me, he's pursuing me, he loves me no matter what. I can't get away from it, so I embraced it. Um, his grace which plays into his love, undeserved love and favor. <laughs> are you kidding me? All right, so those are elements of his glory. We understand that. The point is, when we serve, we, re we reflect his glory. Our actions reflect our heart's belief. My mother-in-law, who I think I have a great relationship, I think I've got a great relationship with, I'd have to talk with her to make sure she feels the same way. We have a good relationship. She used to always tell me, because I would just be smart aleck and pop off like a son-in-law does. She would say, Cal, what's in the heart comes out the mouth. <laughs> what's in the heart comes out the mouth. I'm just teasing, Ann, I love you. If you're watching today, you know I do. What's inside us comes out. But that's not just something she said. Luke 6, 45, that's what it says. What is in us comes out. Jesus taught the importance of servant leadership. Read John chapter 13. He washed his disciples' feet. In fact, he says this, I have set an example that you should do as I have done. Jesus, the lowliest of things that a servant did for a household was wash their feet. He washed their feet and then he said to them, what I have done for you, I'm showing you how to do it. This is how you do, which is why I think in the Christian world, we run into problems when we try to elevate ourselves because as we try and attempt to elevate ourselves in the church body, in the Christian world, in the, as we elevate ourselves, we're actually going down. It's, in, it's, it's a backwards world. The kingdom is different. Jesus, supreme commander of all of heaven's armies, became a servant and washed his followers' feet. And then he said, hey, this is what you do, guys. 
But Jesus, I want to sit on your right and your left. Huh? I, I don't make that decision. All I know is that the harder you serve, the closer to my left and right you'll get. It's crazy, right? That, that's, that's the thing. Our actions reflect what's in our heart. Jesus says, this is what I want to see. And when we serve, we are reflecting God's glory because we are doing what Jesus has taught us to do. And Jesus, so he's, he's inside of us. He's helping us. We're doing what he's asked us to do, what he's called us to do, and God's glory gets reflected because then people are like, wait a minute, aren't you like the Pope? Whatever. And you're washing my feet? Like, I want to be a part of that. Anybody remember Amway? <laughs> like the, the OG Amway? Uh, Multi-level marketing thing, Amway. I had friends who were involved in that. Amway is like the higher up that you go, the more people you have under you, right? Every multi-level marketing. Like we're opposite of that. <laughs> the higher up you go, the more people you've got above you. It's hard to understand, but listen, if you begin to treat people like that, they begin to see your acts of service, then they will see God's glory in those actions and they'll say, so this is what a Christian is? I thought a Christian was just somebody who like needed to, have people do what they wanted or I thought a Christian was somebody who was always asking for something or no a Christian is me serving you all right that's two third thing last one when we serve we make a kingdom difference God takes ministry the ministry that we do ministry the word means service by the way did you know that God takes ministry and he uses it to influence the course of eternity for others. <laughs> are you kidding me? By serving them, they are influenced for his kingdom. Amazing. And here's one of the things, here's one of the reasons I think why. When, when service starts, quarreling ends. Now, not doing dishes at my house. <laughs> that is not true. Because when that service starts, all the quarreling starts. In the church, though, imagine, think of the times that we've worked together as a church. We're doing something for the common good. The quarreling stops because we're all focused on the thing, the task at hand. When service starts, quarreling ends. When we lose ourselves in ministry, we begin to work side by side with others and, and other believers for the common good. We have a common purpose. Our focus changes from our problems to serving Christ and building his kingdom. Because now I'm not thinking about me anymore. In fact, that's just something that happens in life. Imagine, think about the times that you've been fearful or anxious or whatever, and you just need to stay busy to avoid that, right? So when we're together as a church body, any problems in the church kind of start to go away because we're working for the common good. So I think it would be good for us as a church to reignite our passion for ministry. Can we reignite our passion for ministry? What can we do to begin works of service that will ignite our passion? How can we demonstrate our love, the love of God through us to others and to each other. 
Philippians chapter two, verse one through four says, if you have any encouragement from being, this is awesome, listen to this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, hmm, the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, that's why we push the purpose all the time. Love like Jesus so lives are changed. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. We can do nothing to elevate ourselves or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. So hard against our nature. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. So whose life are we making a difference in today? What area of ministry has God called you to as you discover his purpose for you? My encouragement is that you all get involved somewhere today. Um, the way we're going to end today, in fact, we've been evaluating as a, as a church, as a staff, as leaders in the church, what are the areas that, that we need service, works of service, volunteers, because we are a group of people on a mission to reach others for Jesus, right? That's what we are. And there's so many things in the church that make it work. And so I've asked all the leaders to give me numbers. How many people do you need to make your thing work? And that's what I've got here, just to help you guys out. Um, I'll keep it still if the camera wants to zoom in on it. Oh, my handy assistant here. All right, so, so to make it all work, youth ministry, you see, we need five volunteers. Small groups, we need four. Our home group ministry is going awesome. We're starting two new home groups in the fall. So we're gonna need uh, four people for that. Our production team, one of the most important parts of everything we do is production. You probably don't know that, but hundreds of people watch our service every single week. Hundreds of people. And uh, Alan and all the people, there's so many things. You see all the angles up here. This is what people at home are seeing. At home, when you're watching this, it's all the, it's the 16 people. And Alan does about eight of those jobs himself right now, just so you know. Um, but computers and cameras and video switchers and online sound and live person sound and the list goes on. Uh, the worship, this is just the worship team, 13. Uh, the kids ministry, 16. I had to knock her back by about 20 because she wanted to put a whole lot more. Um, connection ministry, which is uh, something that it's how we connect people and, and the, the greeters, uh, it's part of the greeters um, ministry. Uh, setup crew, you know, every week, this whole place has to be reset for church. I didn't know if you knew that because it's a school during the week. Uh, first impressions, which is where the greeters are. And we have a host in the sanctuary and we want to get parking lot greeters going. And like there's, there's so many parts to it. And, and let me tell you, don't be scared of it because if, if you say, you know what, I want to volunteer for kids. We're not going to say, oh, great. The five-year-olds need a Sunday school teacher real bad. Can you start now and end in about 20 years? That's... <laughs> That's not what we're doing, okay? Because all of you are like, well, kids, forget it. I'm not, forget the kids. Um, the, the kids ministry, for instance, we have like a, a, a need for a teacher and a need for a helper and we have a, a need for a, a, a Sunday school um, assistant and we have 
different age groups in each one. So you can say, I want to help in kids. I'm not sure where. Help me find where in kids. Or for production, for instance, um, you may not necessarily be the person doing the, this computer thing. You might be like, I don't know anything about computer, but maybe you can help with the camera. Or like there's different places. If you have interest in any of these things, then, then please let us know and we can get you plugged in. And what I want you to understand is that works of service is so important to the church working. We all work together for a similar purpose. And you may, in another scripture, I almost talked about this too, but Paul talks about us like a body. Some people are fingers and some people are toes and some people are legs. And, you know, but it, it, takes, it takes a village. It takes all of us doing the work of ministry. So you might be saying, well, how do I sign up? I don't have a paper form to sign up. I think you guys just like to take the paper home and um, leave it there. So what I've got going on here is, uh, we'll have this set up later. And there's a blank here. For the next few weeks, I'm going to let you know how many people signed up. So we'll get to the number, hopefully. So uh, if you are thinking, you know what? I'm interested in one of these places. Go to our website, uh, lantana.church. And in the website, there's a, a form that will get you to uh, the right. All it is is your name and email address and which one of these categories you would like to be a part of. So the, um, I just think it's, it's necessary for our church and works of service does I, I, all of the things that we accomplish as people who follow Jesus to, for his glory to be revealed through us. How does the camera operator reveal God's glory? Because we don't know who's on the other side of that camera watching what's happening today. Who's going to come to know Jesus Christ because the camera was pointed at the right place at the right time. We just don't know. But God's glory is revealed through it. A person playing the drums God's glory a drummer would say that's the only place his glory is <laughs> like every part plays a part because it's all for God's glory all of it and that's all we want and we want to see people's lives change that's what our church is all about love like Jesus so lives are changed that's one of the reasons Amanda's here today Amanda and Steve Pettit to talk to us about Rescue Hill and it's another way that we can be involved. We also, the safe families, which we'll have some more input from them later. Like there's so many ways to be involved, to let God's glory be shown, to fulfill his purpose in your life because God has given you a purpose. So anyway, I hope you take that to heart. Go to the website, lantana.church and uh, in the connections place, there's a serve team. It's what it's called, the header, serve team. Join a serve team today. God, this morning, we're so grateful for all that you do for us. God, we love you today. We know you've called us to service. We know you've given each one of us different gifts and different abilities. But what we read today was each purpose, each person has a different purpose to reveal your glory to see others come to know Jesus. So help us, God. And be with us as a church. My prayer for this church is that you would continue to bless us. God, it's been revealed over and over and over that your favor is on this place. So we wanna lean into that. But the way we lean into that is by doing what you have called us to do. So for the camera operator, for the sound technician, for the 
worship singer, for the instrument, for the, the, the instruments that are playing, for the kids ministry, for the youth ministry, God, for every single part, for setup, for um, first impressions, for all of it, God. They all play a part. So just help us, we pray. In Jesus' name.